Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Leslie Mitchell-Clark a Toronto-based certified clinical hypnotherapist who specializes in a number of modalities, including working with individuals who feel that they have had experiences with extraterrestrial beings. Most of her fascinating work, as well as metaphysical therapies such as past life and interlife regression, takes place at Leslie's Toronto Hypnosis Clinic, Lightwork Hypnosis. Leslie, thank you so much for being our guest this evening and welcome. Oh, thank you so much. And I'm really honored to be here and to be able to connect with your your wonderful uh, listeners, viewers. And, uh, you know, just I want you to ask me anything that comes into your uh, fabulous mind. There's nothing off limits. Well, thank you. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that could be uh, get some wild questions. Of course. Did you start out your hypnotherapy practice wanting to regress people about UFOs? And if not, how did you take a turn into that direction? Mm. Well, I think you're absolutely right to say that I was initially completely interested in regression. Now, um, I cannot say that it was specifically um, experience-related regression that I was interested in, but um, you know, I came to this work kind of uh, late in life, if I may say, and at a certain point after a long career in the music business, you know, I I felt completely unfulfilled I thought you know what am I doing you know I'm blowing people's egos up for three months while their records are released and then blah you know so this is ridiculous work and um uh my my husband bless his heart he he knew I was in kind of a you know a crossroads if it as it were so he bought me a past life regression with a not not the woman I eventually studied with but a, a noted hypnotherapist and I went through that process which was of course illuminating but the main thing that I took away from that process was I can do this this is something that is so natural to me I can guide people through these experiences I cannot tell you why I I believe now that most likely it was because I had done this work in in other lifetimes I mean hypnosis is um, 6,000 years old by recorded history and possibly you know a good deal older than that if we if we accept the idea of 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 previous um sophisticated civilizations uh prior to the flood antediluvian civilizations but that is what really uh sparked me to you know completely change directions to what i was doing so initially uh the first step was to become a certified hypnotist so uh i went to the ontario school of hypnosis and i studied with the eminent uh dr georgina cannon who is still teaching and doing all the things and she's no relation to dolores cannon by the way people always i knew that was coming yep. people often ask but 
So I had the good fortune to take that basic training. And then, you know, I kind of went into the trenches for a while in that sense. Uh, I worked for what I call a hypno mill, uh, which is a kind of a hypnosis clinic where people come in mainly for uh, uh, weight loss and uh, cessation of smoking, cigarette smoking and these kinds of really sort of practical accepted kinds of things so i worked in a place like that uh and then eventually you know i i like to think of it as doing an internship like at bellevue because it was pretty wacky and by the uh when i was you know when i've been doing that for a few years i went back to georgina cannon and i took my certifications in past life regression, interlife regression, and something we call, well, I call it energy release. Some people call it entity release. That's not quite how I see it, but so energy release. Um, now, even at that point, now I was doing past life regressions and, you know, lots of them. And um, I was also at this point working for Dr. Georgina's clinic. So about once a month, uh, you know, someone would call in and say, you know, I have missing time, blah, blah, blah. I have, you know, dreams. I, I think I've been encountered. By, and, and nobody else in the clinic wanted anything to do. They didn't want a, not a 10 foot pole, not a 40 foot pole. No, nothing. So, and I said, great you know i would love to work with these people so it kind of began like that and and then i have to say you know i I believe in uh you know the laws of attraction and quantum quantum entanglement and once i got out there doing that kind of work and then i also you know spoke at several conventions and this that and the other and some random radio shows but the word began to get out and uh, i think what was uh most um helpful in my work with these dear people is uh i became a member of the experiencer research project as part of uh mufon's uh under the umbrella of mufon and run by kathleen martin so i I was often sent uh, individuals who um, the people doing the intake at MUFON believe had had genuine experiences. So, uh, you know, things really kind of took off. And then um, uh, my my recent book is a couple of years old, and that was about an individual I worked with uh, from the very beginning, the first session, uh, who wasn't sure if he was an experiencer or not so that's kind of you know i i came to this work in a sort of a uh i don't know propinquitous kind of way but i feel that it was all intended and i feel that i could not have really done this work until i had passed through the life experiences the learning experiences that i have accumulated at least at least in this current lifetime how many UFO or alien experiences do you think you've actually hypnotized? Hundreds, thousands? Well, I think I think Philip, it's I think it's been about close to twenty years. Uh, let's if we want to let, let's just to be safe, let's knock it down to fifteen years. And um, I mean, I see people every week who are dealing with this experience, you know, three people, five people. So uh, I have to say it's a, it's a significant amount of individuals that I've been blessed to work with. And, um, you know, one thing you might, um, I don't know, wonder about is uh, I think a lot of people have the idea of experiencers being from some like, low economic strata, you know, low education. And certainly, you know, we think of these these old guys in the South with like one tooth who saw a UFO. You know, this is a this is a kind of an unfortunate uh, stereotypical uh, viewpoint that has been encouraged, I think, by the government government and the media. But the truth is that this work that that I do with helping experiences these experiencers these very special people to recall 
uh, to to get past any memory blocks, to embrace what has happened to them, and, and to and to integrate it into their beings. So these dear people, you know, cross all socioeconomic, uh, racial, um, uh, you name it, uh, kinds of lines. I have worked with people who are judges and attorneys and doctors, and I've worked with people who are on assistance who can barely cope. Have you seen any patterns? I think I think maybe the biggest pattern, you know, of course, you know, we have to ask why. Why these people? Why these particular people that are being plucked and, you know, and engaged with or whatever? Well, you know, um, the commonality seems to be psychic ability. And, um, you know, I, uh, after working with so many of these people I, I think every experiencer that I have ever worked with has outstanding psychic ability and comes from a family uh, maybe often just from the female line but comes from a, a genetic predisposition towards psychic ability so what I would have to say is, and now there are a lot of other things we can, a lot of other more negative things we can go to. But if you were an advanced species who had a genetic connection to Terrans, that's us, and uh, you came across, you know, a group of a group of apes, you know, and a small amount of them had developed some type of uh, a glottal um, uh, abilities to form words. Now, wouldn't you rather spend your time with those beings that were able to communicate even in a rudimentary way? I think that is what we are dealing with here. I think the beings that are being, you know, taken, and I don't even like that expression, but the beings who are engaging with extraterrestrials and ultra-terrestrials are individuals who have psychic abilities, who have chosen to be here at this time uh, for the remarkable things that we're going to see. Are most of the encounters benign or or are there some that are negative? Well, Jeffrey, I would say upwards of 90% of the encounters that people relate to me or that we are able to uncover uh, are benign. And I, I think that um, if I could just, you know, shuffle back for a moment to a little bit of ufology history. Now, um, in the Roswell crash, the great, which I would have to call ground zero for the modern era of ufology, during the Roswell crash, uh, which was actually three crashes, but during that event, there were survivors, at least one survivor, and these beings that uh, were, who were brought down by some type of, uh, uh, you know, uh, hypersound weapon that we were developing at the time. They were just doing a flyby, and they were purposely crashed by the U.S. By us, I'm from New York City, so I mean by us, the U.S. So uh, at any rate, um, at least one of those beings survived, and they were from, uh, they were grays, a specific type of grays. There are many types of grays uh, from the Zeta Reticulite system. Now, uh, as uh, as has been reported by many uh, insiders, what occurred after that was a kind of a treaty between, you know, Harry Truman, and this is right after, you know, a, a breath after World War II. And the gist of this treaty was that the Zeta Reticulites would have the uh, laissez-faire, you know, the go-ahead to uh, extract uh, DNA material, genetic material from a small percentage of the citizens of the Earth. And the, and the barter would be that, you know, the U.S., I'm calling to the U.S., but there may have been other countries involved, who knows, but the U.S. would receive uh, technological um, uh, information that they could handle at that time. So, I mean, what we're talking about now is this big leap that happened in the fiber optics. Uh, We're talking about... um, um, you know, uh, integrated circuits, you know, all kinds of things that were that were not even viable at the end of World War II. So this was the deal. And um, uh, the way that 
the U.S. dealt with this technology is they kind of, you know, parceled it off to different um which uh, different huge, uh, you know, mega companies like, you know, you guys at the Skunk Works, you get this. You guys at Hughes Aircraft, you get this. You guys at Intel, you get this. And so by doing that, uh, nobody knew that they were working on so-called alien technology. It was all under the umbrella of the Department of uh, Foreign and uh, technology, I believe the department of which, and if any of your uh, listeners are particularly interested in this period of time, uh, there's a wonderful book by the, the late uh, Captain Philip Corso called The Day After Roswell. And he was the guy who was actually the head of the Department of Foreign Technology. So he was right there at ground zero. And that's a that's a wonderful book that kind of explains the uh, uh, the onset of some of these disturbing experiences that contactees have had where the ova or the sperm are Extracted, and this indeed went on, and it was negative, and it was terrible. Um, however, that contract or that agreement with you know either the Truman or the Eisenhower administration, however you want to look at it, timed out. So at this present time, um, unless I'm treating someone who was kind of in my age category, uh, it's very unlikely that I would see any kind of a negative, invasive uh, DNA culling type of uh, situation. You're in Toronto, and you've seen a lot of people in just Toronto. So I can only imagine all the encounters all over the planet. Oh, man. Well, you know, first of all, I do, I I do work with individuals all over the world. With the advent of Zoom, it is possible to induct people into trance and regress them and work with them in this wonderful way to help them integrate their experiences. This can be done online, but it's now estimated that maybe as much as two thirds of the Earth's population has had some type of encounter and i and i believe that mufon reports that um uh you know encounters not just of the uh of the, the third kind but you know in-depth encounters have occurred with maybe 14 million people which is bigger than the population of the state of new york so and and this phenomenon is not new i mean it's biblical for goodness sake there has been uh, there has been contact since our earliest uh, recorded remembered uh history and of course i believe it goes back infinitely farther than that but i mean this is this is not a new phenomenon george washington had an experience uh i don't know if you're aware of this when he was excuse me when he was crossing the delaware uh you know with the whole situation of valley forge it was a turning point in the american revolution and i believe he went out into the woods to pray and in his interpretation you know a, a kind of a disc landed and he had an experience with what he called angels now i think that a religious reference point would have been much more likely at that time rather than saying you know three glowing interdimensional beings came and met with me you know i think the religious reference point would uh would certainly be the one we remember but he had an experience with beings who instructed him on the rest of what he should do and you know the new the new republic was born how do you identify a genuine experiencer versus someone who has a mental illness wow what a great question question jeffrey you know especially i've just been through a couple of things where people have come to me who were really unwell so it's been you know that's been preying on my mind that very issue just a sec here well before first of all not everybody that i see or that wants to see me is an experiencer this we know 
not everybody. So uh, when someone first approaches me about, you know, wanting to have a regression to recall experiences or what have you, um, I have a very long phone consultation with them. I mean, I ask a lot of questions and um, by the time I'm done with that phone consultation, I have a pretty good idea of whether this person uh, warrants, you know, the process of regression or whether they possibly have some kind of dissociative issue going on. So, and um, aside from being a, a, a hypnotherapist, I was also, you know, a licensed psychiatric technician, which is kind of like a psych nurse. So I have a lot of experience with um, people who unfortunately are very mentally ill and a certain percentage of the people that contact me are going to be mentally ill and uh, they're having uh, hallucinations or confabulations or what have you so now even if someone comes to me and presents that way um and I'm not able to treat them in the, you know, arena of my legal ability because that's a big that's a big factor, Jeffrey. By law, I am not allowed to use hypnotherapy on anyone who has been diagnosed with a psychiatric illness. Now, I don't include like depression and anxiety in there, but certainly schizophrenia, dissociative disorder, any kind of borderline personality disorder, those would all be considered mental illnesses. So I have to be cautious on a number of levels. I have to keep my license and I have to operate within the sphere of my legal ability, my legal treatment ability. So, um, you know, that, that is a thing that when it comes up, I refer, I have a number of uh, psychiatrists and psychologist colleagues who are open to the idea of extraterrestrial contact. So they can accept that person and treat them and they will be able to weed out what is confabulation and what is not, if anything. And so that's what I do. I don't leave anybody out there like, hanging out there but certainly as you said you know i guess i'm going to say maybe about 10 percent of the people who contact me are are not mentally well can you give us some examples of some of the things that your clients have told you that were just shocking to you and just blew you away wow um oh wow boy that is that is a uh, quite a, a question. Well, let me tell you, I, I suppose it would be in some of the stories that have told me about what has happened to them that, that I've heard some of the, you know, creepiest, most disturbing things. So I was, um, I was working with this wonderful gentleman. He's a professor at a university here in Canada. And um, he really was a lifelong experiencer. He had experiences, experiences, throughout his whole life with uh, primarily what we would call grays. So he told me about a time where he was returning from a camping trip in Quebec with his entire family, which it was mother and his father. And I think there were four kids. Now you're too young to remember how this was, but back in the day, there were no seatbelts. There were just, you know, just crammed into the back seat, no seatbelts. You know, if you were lucky, your, your dad was smoking and the window was open, like, you know, that much. So, but anyway, it was that kind of scenario where he was coming back from Quebec and suddenly um, his father just turned off like the main you know highway onto what can only be described as like a dirt road and the kids were screaming what are you doing dad what's and then everybody just kind of calmed down and got quiet and then they continued you know going along the dirt road and you know my client said uh, at this point he he believed that he saw a bunch of Cub Scouts on bikes riding past the car on both sides. Now, this was most likely, you know, some kind of a screen image that had been, 
you know, created through psionics, whatever. I'm, I'm sure it was ETs, but he believed he saw, he believed he saw, you know, Cub Scouts. And when I got him into hypnosis, he could see what was really going on, that it was a whole bunch of grays surrounding the car. And uh, eventually the car just stopped and the craft was visible and there were beings right in the road and um it appeared that the adults the mom and dad were very unconscious very knocked out but uh you know my client and one of his brothers although they were unable to move physically they were consciously very aware so i guess the windows came down automatically and all the kids were pulled by a force just pulled out of the car and you know taken up to the craft for what seemed to be an examination not a painful examination nothing like that but an examination of some sort and you know my client never never conked out he was aware during the entire process and he told me one of the most horrible things was he looked over and saw his older brother on the table next to him and the older brother was just weeping because he couldn't stop what was happening i know i'm an eldest child i kind of get that you know that protective thing and um and then he remembered uh being put back in the car his parents were still unconscious and i think that he had like his t-shirt on you know backwards or something and uh and then they they all came to consciousness somewhere entering ontario having lost maybe about four hours of time you mentioned something about a screened image. What is that? Well, I, I, I think, and this is, you know, the sort of the consensus of many of us who work in this field, that there are a number of uh, extraterrestrial beings who are able to project realities, if you will, or environments or sets, you know, and sometimes we will use that term. Uh, it, it, it's a it's a screen memory. For instance, I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, I'm going to talk about Wes Roberts for a moment, who, who I co-authored uh, my recent book with. But uh, Wes Roberts, again, a lifelong experiencer. And he told me about... Um, an experience that he had when he was probably 11 or 12, something like that. So he remembers being awakened and transported and like floated through the roof, you know, whatever the deal was. And uh, he was taken to an environment that looked like it was supposed to be a kid's birthday party. And, you know, there was all their balloons and all kinds of like what I would call set decoration around all over the place. And he was um, sitting in a chair in a circle of kids. Now, some of these kids were completely unconscious, just like knocked out, like not there. Some of the kids were very aware and even, you know, Wes recognized them. And some of the kids were were somewhere in between. So anyway, at a certain point in this fake birthday scenario, um, a being came out of a room who apparently was supposed to be the doctor and uh, take a look at all the kids in some humorous way. And this being had like a kind of a, a clown mask on, which to the kids and to Wes was terrifying it was it was like worse than whatever their own physical appearance could have been so uh, uh wes explained that he completely said i'm out of here you know f you and everything disappeared kind of like you know kind of like in the holodeck you know in star trek everything disappeared and then he was just thrown back onto his bed so there seems to me to be no doubt that some beings, maybe not all, some beings are able to manufacture and project environments that are, you know, so believable that the uh, experiencers can move about in them for whatever the purpose is. 
of the exercise or contact. Do most of your clients already know they've had ET contact or did they come to you and say, I sense that there's something weird going on in my life and I want to investigate it? Well, I think far more common is, you know, option two that you just mentioned. Uh, People who have a sense that there is something not quite right. Uh, They generally have sleep disorders. Uh, As I said, there may be missing time or missing memories. So um, many of these people who who come to me, God bless them, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like the last chance Texaco. You know, I mean, a lot of these people have been to psychologists and psychiatrists who have said, well, you know, you're not psychotic. I can't really explain what's going on, you know, blah, 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 blah. So I'm a lot of the time I'm the last, you know, person that these dear people will, will come to. And uh, so many of them feel as if, as if they might be mentally ill. So I would say one of the big commonalities is once we get in there and we, you know, regress to a, a couple of, you know, memories of high strangeness, then the individual who was allowed to remember those things, then the individual becomes aware that they have a far more uh, complex identity than they had ever imagined before. And, um, you know, we take it from there. Do you think the majority of your clients are people who have encountered ETs by out-of-body experiences or from sleeping or are the majority physical contact? Mm. Well, that's a really interesting question. And you know what I would have to say to that, Jeffrey, is I think in early experiences, I'm going to say up to about age 12 or 14, those experiences seem to be very physical. In other words, you know, someone comes down, you know, the physical persona, the physical body is, you know, transported somewhere, something happens. But what seems to occur after a period of time is that many of these experiences are really what I would call etheric experiences. In other words, uh, it seems that the many of the people that work with ETs or have come here to do that have the capability of, um, by location or astral projection, what, you know, whatever you wish to call it. So what I often hear about uh, from the people that I work with is they have almost a, um, a secondary life, not that it is secondary, but a, a, a co-concurrent, a co-concurrent life that occurs when the body is in a Delta state and then they willingly uh, are able to project their um, uh, their persona to wherever it is needed and some of some of the people tell me they have like jobs and they show up on ships with like other beings to collaborate um, some people have told me that they're like um, they're working against the dark side and they go to you know free children and other beings that are being suppressed in some way or another so I, it seems to me, Jeffrey, that all of the experiences that are physical lead up to the ability to uh, transport, experience, enact in a, a body of less dense uh, matter. Speaking about children, have you seen many of your clients have alien human hybrid children it happens all the time where uh where you know clients of mine have had experiences where they're aboard a craft and they are asked to hold and look at their children now again we're talking about a certain um age range here you know this this kind of experience with the hybridized children that are living on craft or whatever uh this is related to the zeta reticulite uh genome experiments that you know were done by the early 90s so uh, people of a certain age who are lifelong experiencers may very well tell me about being presented with their children. And sometimes it's a, 
oh my goodness, it's quite an emotional experience where uh, the parents, you know, my, my peeps, whether they're fathers or mothers, they feel the bond to those children and they, and they don't want to let them go. And I think this, this must have been something that was totally lost to these Zeta reticulites as they uh, became infertile or, or, or whatever went on. But uh, yes, many of my clients have been presented with their hybrid children and have been uh, inconsolable after the children were taken away from them. Have you encountered any ETs that look human? So many, Jeffrey, so many. Um, in fact, boy, at this point, almost the majority of experiences that people have are with what I would call humanoid beings. Now, you know, it's important to keep in mind that we are essentially, if you accept the work of Dr. Sitchin and all the great, you know, Sumerian uh, scholars, we are most likely the result of genetic upgrading from, you know, the Anunnaki beings who are in fact extremely humanoid and part of the whole Lyran uh, civilization and the Pleiadians are part of the Lyran civilization and many, many other beings that have a real uh, basic resemblance to us in the sense that they can pass among they can pass among us with you know very little difficulty so that's what i think is i think there's a lot of that going on i think there are a lot of pleiadians here i think that um i think that not only our government but the governments of governments of the world have been involved in detente and agreements with a wide variety of species that allow certain beings, you know, access to, you know, move among us. Do you ever sit and think that I could have never foresaw myself talking about Pleiadians, Lyrians and stuff like that 20 years ago? Yes, I do. I do. All I wanted to do was be an actress. It's all I wanted to do. It's all I was thinking about. Nothing else mattered. Yeah, it is. But, you know, we we are drawn inevitably to our life paths because we make agreements before we come in. And I am descended from a long line of very uh, sensitive women. And I have no doubt that Part of the reason that I'm attracted to this work is that um, it 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 fits with my skill set in a way. So, but but no, Jeffrey. No, I, I you know I was thinking about you know how I'm going to take what movie I'm going to see on Saturday. You know, I, I, how would I know? I did not know. I was completely oblivious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Have you ever had any clients that claim to be part of the super space program or the super soldier program? Oh man, Jeffrey, that's a whole nother show, man. I got to tell you, I have a lot of them and that is the most, that is the most salient current thing that I'm seeing now in my practice is many, many, many of these individuals are waking up after, you know, 20 years of silence. And, um, and these dear people, you know, they, they have a very unique kind of PTSD, because if we are to accept you know, their story and what's happened, many of them have been involved in some pretty brutal combat with some pretty funky stuff happening. So uh, in my mind, I really believe now that we have thousands and thousands and thousands upon uh, uh, veterans who have given their lives and their youth to protecting our planet and our solar system who are not acknowledged in any way and never will be. So that, you know, that, pisses me off the secrecy of this whole thing really makes me angry and the main reason is that we're not caring for our veterans of this you know uh, 20 and back program in the same way that we're caring for the veterans of the vietnam war of course we're caring for all veterans terribly don't get me you know terribly i'm i'm a big advocate for that anyway so yeah that's uh, apparently uh, according to some of the most recent information the the um memory block 
uh, used by the secret space program was only designed to last for 20 years, which is where we get this term 20 and back. That's, you know, so I have a lot of people coming to me in their 40s who are having like bubbles of memories and parts of memories coming up. And uh, that is not uncommon for me to see people in that age group. But uh, I've worked with uh, Randy Kramer. He's a great friend of mine. Um, I believe him implicitly. Uh, he's passed through God knows how many lie detector tests. And, uh, you know, Randy Kramer, not only is has he passed through his own uh, 20 and back, but uh, he's now teaching uh, psionics, which is a kind of a military grade remote viewing is maybe how I could explain it. And, uh, you know, he's one of the success stories, but m most of these people are struggling emotionally, struggling. How does the super soldier program work? I mean, are they taken and just disappear for 20 years from the planet or are they going in their sleep and doing stuff? Well, I think, you know, both is true. Now, as I understand it, and again, none of this is my like opinion or conjecture. It's just kind of a consolidation of what I have heard. As I understand it, um, individuals who are going to be in the so-called, you know, secret space program are selected very early. And there is a high percentage of these people who are from military families or and and an even a higher percentage of these people whose military families were stationed along the dew line which is a a a northern defensive line that was a u.s and canadian um uh, defensive effort so that we would be the first people to see the Russians lob anything, you know, over the, <laughs> over the Antarctic. So that's the do line. Anyway, there are a lot of bases all along and what you would call right on the border between Canada and, uh, and the United States. So now Randy Kramer says, or he believes that, um, uh, he was genetically enhanced because his mother was something happened to her surgically, you know, on the base and whether or not the father approved is, is, is not known, but he believes there was a surgical enhancement to make him physically stronger. And, and in truth, you know, a lot of these guys, you know, Randy Kramer included, I think he's about six, five. I mean, he's, you know, he, he, he's really a, um, um, a he very domineering like a super soldier at six yeah kind of a domineering physical specimen and that's i so he says that was a construction and um and so they from the time he was a little guy you know he had all kinds of encounters with both uh what i would call you know military programs and also with ets directly but it was the military programs who were really monitoring him and at a certain point uh at age 17 i believe he told me after all these years of being a like a cadet and that was conducted under missing time under you know messing with the time loop like he said sometimes people even came them came to pick him up at school and then he'd be dropped off you know a half an hour later at home but it had been like you know five days so there was a lot of fooling around with the timeline involved with all of this early education and then um at about age 17 or 18, he was uh, the way anyone entering the military would be addressed. He was presented with paperwork to actually become a member of the uh, of the Lunar Defense Force and the Mars Defense Force, you know, our our so-called secret space program. So he signed up and served for 20 years under, in his case, all kinds of combat situations. Now, I, I would have to put in here that there are many different experience, experiences that people can have, you know, serving our globe on the, uh, you know, in the 20 and back program. I have one gal and her whole business was to categorize and study and treat and uh, um, 
unusual species from different planets. So we have a lot of different assignments, but here's Randy Kramer, big tall guy. He's in the, he's in like the, like the equivalent, the Marines, you know, and um, so for 20 years, he, you know, battled uh it, 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 it according to him he he battled several different species of reptilians he uh was involved in um blowing up you know phobos the moon which was a nasty et base and it, it, you know i know he's he has a book that is in development and i hope it comes out soon but you know it would certainly make a great movie that's all i can say <laughs> But I believe him. And these are, these are, uh, uh, and it all makes complete sense to me. You know what? Because the, this divide and conquer, this creation of a, of a, of a secret, you know, space oriented organization that would operate without any, um, what's the word I, without having to answer to any democratic body, uh, this is something I can totally understand that could happen. And I believe it has happened. And, you know, that's why, you know, the, our, the, you know, all this little stuff we do with NASA, that's just media hype. We're already light years behind that. It's, you know, it, it makes me very sad that there are some people who believe that, that, that you know, what NASA is doing is the last word. And, you know, I'm, I just don't believe that it is. I believe it's a, a fake kind of, you know, false show to disguise what's what has been happening since World War II and what's happening now. Do you think members of NASA are aware of the alternate space program or are they kept in the dark? I think by and large, they're not. I think we're dealing with people who are good people who believe, who are patriots. And I, I, I think by and large, that they are kept in the dark. And one of the reasons that I say that, <clears throat> this is a little personal, you know, for years before I was a, a hypnotherapist, I was in the music business, and I, I used to work often at this very nice hotel <clears throat> that was right out there near Edwards Air Force Base, where, uh, you know, the the um, the space shuttles would, would land and take off. And um, I was working there that month when that terrible uh tragedy happened where the space shuttle exploded and the and the crew were killed and the poor the poor people the officers the scientists that had been involved with that project were like in my bar where, where i was performing you know for two months you know drinking them into a coma so these were people that really felt as if they had failed and they were disgraced and they were in mourning I don't think that that maybe would have happened quite in that way if they had had an awareness of the gravitas and the extent of what actually was going on with regard to um, the space project so what do you think the ETs want? Do they want just to study us or is there something else? Well, you know, I I think, Jeffrey, that they, in a big sense, they feel a sense of responsibility for us. Uh, certainly, certainly those beings that are genetically, that are our cousins, that are genetically connected to us, they feel a sense of responsibility. And I think that many beings... Um, are probably involved in, um, you know, like a Gene Roddenberry-esque uh, United Federation of Planets. In fact, I hear this, you know, over and over again, that this type of affiliation exists. But, you know, the problem is that um, we're not ready. You know, I think they're, I think they're waiting for us, hoping for us, praying for us to join them in, in civilized, intergalactic, interdimensional contact. But the fact is, you know, that we're, we're still barbarians. Look at what's going on on our planet. We're involved in ridiculous war, you know, racism, you know, children are starving. I mean, it, it, we have to clean up our own backyard. So I think what the 
benevolent ETs are waiting for. And it's just like when you have naughty kids, they have to learn to do that task or they have to learn to do things themselves. That's what parenting is about. So I think there's a kind of a parental role that has been taken on by our Gino ancestors. And I think they're just waiting for us to, pardon me, get our shit together. I don't see that happening anytime soon because... (laughs) The only thing I feel like humans have changed is technologies. You know, mm. tech, besides that, we're still the same over the last 2,000 years. Or longer. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we don't really change as beings, only our circumstances around us. Mm. But, uh, you know, but we can we could redirect that's what the sophisticated you know the the sophisticated societies have simply learned to rise above their um you know whatever the anim- whatever bit of animal nature is left and redirect towards creativity and projects and you know as a hypnotherapist that's what i do all the time i take away the negative stuff that people are doing or experiencing and i put in positive motivating good stuff and we can do it it's just you know we have a really strange planet and 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 i mean talk about the diversity diversity is ridiculous and and talk about even intellectual capacity i mean you go down to the deep south and you've got you know people with bare normal intelligence and then you've got like the Dalai Lama and you've got you know uh, Stephen Hawking so we have a real we have a real diversity of physical uh you know bodies that people are in do you think individual people can seek out and contact the ETs if they want to i do i don't think you need any extra anything and and you know what i what i would recommend is just simply um you know finding a quiet spot where you can meditate a quiet spot where you're not going to be bothered you can do this indoors or outdoors and you know just put out the message i would like to speak to any beings of love and you know commonality just put out a positive message right out there and in some way there will be uh there will be a communication um non-physical communication i believe is the way the universe works i do i i i think that you know most advanced races are telepathic and there's only one thing faster than the speed of light and that's the speed of thought And the speed of thought is propelling a lot of the civilizations, the wonderful civilizations that we are beginning to engage with. I'm glad you went there because do you think that those ships are traveling here by the speed of thought because the speed of light is too slow? I do, Jeffrey. I do. I think, and I think sometimes. Uh, the crafts and the things that we see are, are would be maybe more like holographic projections. So I think we are seeing a variety of phenomena, but the speed of thought is absolutely key involved. Number one. Yeah. What about implants? Have you had any of your clients show you their implants? Oh, yeah, I have. My clients have shown me scars, implants, uh, triangular scars, implants that I can feel from outside the skin. I mean, all kinds of stuff like that. Um, Now, my, my belief about implants is that they are, you know, primarily what we would call step up transformers in other words i think most impact most implants uh and i can't speak about the government stuff but any implants that we receive from our extraterrestrial friends are designed to help us us uh, step up our vibration so that we can communicate more easily and do all those things that we need to do more easily and i don't see them as negative i don't see them often they just dissolve Often they just dissolve when they're no longer necessary or when they've done their usefulness. Uh, 
but you know as far as a tracking device i mean you have to kind of almost laugh at that because we've known for years that every brain emits a unique electronic signature every brain is individual and has its own signal and any evolved society is going to be able to pinpoint anybody they're looking for so this fear idea of oh my god they put the implants in they're listening to me they're doing i think all of that is paranoia Mm -hmm. and the implant issues that i have seen the implants have either dissolved or they've been benign um i you know that's that would be my experience thus far what about crop circles? Now, um, I think that crop circles are messages from cultures, as many people do. But, uh, oh, there was a wonderful gal that I interviewed one time. Oh, my goodness. What is her name? She's made several films about crop circles. And what she has photographed is really, really interesting. She was able to get photographic evidence, and I mean like on film, of energy orbs seeming to come out of the earth and move around and create the the circle so what i think may be happening is um uh, beings some beings may be able to harness earth energy at in an intelligent way and use it to create these crop circles i patty oh god what is her name i'll send it to you later because she's got a lot of footage that you should probably take a look at but what she has seen and what she has photographed is literally balls of light coming up out of the earth not a craft hovering above and you know lights coming down and blah 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 nothing like that it's orbs of energy coming right up out of the earth and then seemingly being directed by some you know intelligence all right, I've picked your brain as much as I could, and I'm running out of time. So, there's nothing left, Jeffrey. There's I'm sure nothing there's, left. I'm sure we could go another hour, but your book is called Intersection, A True Story of Extraterrestrial Contact. Is it kind of like a culmination of your clients' stories over the years, or what? Well, uh, it is really about one client that I had the uh, the gift to have like 42 sessions with now you know because after a while I knew I was going to write a book and he just allowed me to have sessions so uh, I it is co-written by Wes Roberts but it is really an in-depth story of this one individual this lifelong experiencer's journey from not even realizing what was going on with him to the point of amalgamating his identity and his memories and all of his stuff you know into into a strong cognitive persona so it's a wonderful story i think the one thing that's a little bit different about my book is i do have big chunks of the sessions that we did transcribed literally so my hope would be that for the reader it would be very much like participating in a regression session of this type and it's available on uh, amazon.com amazon.ca wherever you happen to amazon and it's uh intersection a true story of extraterrestrial contact what is your website so people can find out more about you and your practice? Oh, thank you. Well, my website is is about to go under a little bit of a facelift. Actually, I could use some help too. What do you think? My facelift and my skin. Ah! Anyway, so the face. <laughs> so my my unfacelifted website, which will soon look fifteen years younger, one hopes, is uh, <laughs> lightworkhypnosis.com, and that's all one word: lightworkhypnosis.com. And if you would like to reach out to me, even just to ask me a question, or you know, for whatever reason, not necessarily to book an appointment anytime you want to reach me i i may take a minute but i will always get back to you so my email is leslie l-e-s-l-e-y at lightworkhypnosis.com 
I believed that you said you're working on another book. What else do you have? Besides that, what else are you working on that you want us to know about? Well, I am, um, I'm, I'm working on another book, which is actually autobiographical and it's, it's show business stories. It has, doesn't really have a whole lot to do with uh, anything metaphysical, but the book following that is, uh, is going to be called Midwives of Disclosure. And it is a focus on the various people that are working today to establish uh, uh, non-physical ET human uh, communication and interaction. All right, Leslie. Well, before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message? We are not alone and we have never been alone. We are surrounded by loving beings who want the best for us. All we have to do is open our hearts and our minds and stop thinking about the other people around us on the planet as different. We are all one. Thank you for that message. And Leslie, thank you again for being my guest today. I really appreciate you and I wish you success in whatever you're doing. Thank you, Jeffrey. It was my absolute pleasure to be here. And uh, thank you for all the great work you're doing to open people's minds. It's wonderful. Well, it was my pleasure to have you, and have a great evening. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara Podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the Join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.